We're glad you're joining us here at Common Thread Online. This is a recording of our community gathering, as we do each week, to think together about the spiritual journey. At the end of the lesson, we open the floor for discussion. We'd love to hear what you're thinking, too. Go to our community's Facebook page, post your thoughts. Community of Communities will have our founding assembly. That'll be on Tuesday evening, October 13th at 7 p.m. That's Tuesday evening, October 13th at 7 p.m. This is really important for us all to zoom in that evening because it's a meeting that's been three years in the making. We've got 40 diverse institutions, mostly churches and synagogues and mosques, that have been building relationship with one another, and we've been asking folks in Wake County what hurts living here. So we distilled out 3,300 conversations that we had asking that question down to three issues, affordable housing, public schools, and jobs that pay enough to actually live in Wake County. So on that Tuesday, 2,000 of us will gather virtually. By then, we will have done the work to get candidates from all the parties to be there, county commissioners, school board, elect, also already elected officials, as well as uh, business and community leaders. We'll be demonstrating to those who can actually make the changes we need around our three issues. We're demonstrating to them the power of relationship and the power of community. And we'll do that at that meeting with a roll call. Each institution will report, we have organized this many people and we have organized this much money. That'll be our dues. The dues for wake, for one wake members are 1% of their operating budget. And after the roll call, then we'll ask candidates and officials for specific commitments on our three issues. That's what our research groups have been working on right now. What would be wise and prudent and actually doable to ask for? What are the commitments that we want to ask for? Well, 2,000 people in a room, even in a virtual room, that's how we get taken seriously. Well, toward that end, our own One Wake team has committed 150 of us to be there, 150 from Common Thread. And what we'll do is we will stand up virtually and we'll report. Common Thread has 150 people here. Hopefully we'll have more than that. Common Thread is committing $3,000 for next year's dues. Scott's been working on the next year budget dues part, and we have to work on the showing up part. And in order to do that, we've got to register. That's how we get our 150 counted. The registration link is on our website under upcoming events. It's also in the live stream notes. So please do register. This is a low commitment, but pretty high impact thing. All you really have to do is be present and to watch and to listen. That's about as here now small doable as it gets. But together we have the potential to change systems that do cause harm in our county. So please Go register. And again, Robin is going to speak today. She introduced our community to the Enneagram years ago. It's an extraordinary tool for inner growth, and she has an extraordinary ability to dig into it deeply and to help us use it powerfully. If you don't know Robin, you should fix that right away. And you should attend our online Enneagram seminar this year, Saturday, September 12th. Well, before she gets started, I'm going to be the one reading the questions and comments after. So since I don't usually do this, please comment early. Give me some time to get the questions organized for Robin. So, Robin, welcome. Thank you. Glad you're here. You're on, sister. Thank you, Doug. 
Hello, everybody, and happy Sunday. Um, I want to begin today with a hats off to Jean Anderson. Hats off. And if you're going to say hats off, you have to have a hat, right? (laughs) I wondered what that was. (laughs) It's a hat. And I think I've been uh, born in the wrong century because I love hats. So this is the best I can do, everybody. And uh, the hats off to Gene Anderson is because he's been running the show for the past six months. And I couldn't be more grateful to him for making today happen. So, again, hats off to you, Gene, and thank you very much. (laughs) All right. Usually we have an early service and a late service. So what that means is I practice on the first service, and by the time I get to most of you, uh, I'm polished, or at least as polished as I'm going to get. But alas, no more practicing. The teleprompter and I are now in a race to the finish. (laughs) Just kidding. All right. As many of you know, I speak once a year just before the Enneagram seminar as a way to let you know why we include the Enneagram as part of our circle. This is what I'll be doing today. Those of you who don't know, the Enneagram is a system that maps motivation, the why you do what you do. Nine types fall into three triads, three types per triad. And the theory states that three of the types, the gut triad people, are motivated by power and control. Three different types, the heart triad people, are motivated by esteem and affection. And the last three types, the head triad people, are motivated by safety and security. So here is an overview of what I will be talking about. Number one. Our false selves, our types, feed us a sense of alienation. Number two, this sense of alienation manifests in our stream of consciousness, some of which are lies. Number three, we feel great existential fear if we challenge our lies. Number four, As we walk towards our fears, deep or otherwise, it will feel like a death, even a crucifixion. Number five, one of the archetypal truths of Jesus' crucifixion is that on the other side of a death you volunteer for, you will find a form of resurrected life. Number six, we can learn our types so that we can pause and choose to not buy into their lies. And I'll end with number seven, a metaphor of how to keep all of this in perspective. So these are the themes I'm going to be dipping in and out of today and weaving together, not necessarily sequentially. So the theory behind the Enneagram states that each of us comes into this world with a type related, profound sense of alienation. And each of us have created an adaptive strategy to deal with our suffering, our sense of alienation. That adaptive strategy manifests in the form of our false self, our ego, our type. So when we learn our type, we learn not 
who we are, but who we are not. I'm offering and seeking to use the knowledge of the Enneagram as a tool to be very precise about how to go about working out my salvation with fear and trembling. So John 12, 24 says, Unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains just a single grain. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. So using this analogy, analogy, you would be the grain of wheat, and your type would be the hull of the grain. You'll notice the fact that the wheat seed has a hull is not a bad thing. Just like you having an adaptive strategy protecting you from suffering is not a bad thing. It only becomes a bad thing when it's time to learn new strategies and you don't. There is a season where it is time for the wheat seed to lose its hull. Likewise, there is a season where it is time for you to lose your adaptive strategies. Because God has given us free will, we can choose to not cooperate with God and refuse to do the work of losing our adaptive strategies. This analogy says that if that is what we choose, then we will end up alone, alone with adaptive strategies that don't work, alone with our suffering. The alienation that we feel is the result of us believing a lie. Each of the nine types, unbeknownst to us, are feeding us a lie. The lie that we are being fed actually keeps the type alive. It also keeps us from getting what we are looking for. Our types do not deliver on their promise. For those of us who need power and control, our types promise to deliver said power and control, but never do. For those of us who need esteem and affection, our types promise to deliver said esteem and affection, but never do. And for those of us who need safety and security, our type promises to deliver said safety and security, but never do. So scripture calls our false selves, our types, broken cisterns, or clouds that appear but never deliver the rain. So what are the lies that each of the triads are mesmerized by? <clears throat> the people in the gut triad believe the lie that they were put on this earth to make things happen, either to make sure stuff got done or to make sure that peace got done or to make sure the right thing got done. And they believe that if they don't do it, then it won't happen. It's all up to them. Justice is up to them. Righteousness is up to them. Salvation is up to them. And they also believe that it is okay if their physical bodies are sacrificed in getting stuff done. So when the people in this triad start becoming aware of the stories they are telling themselves, they become aware of the lies that they're willing recipients of, they can be very intentional and precise about relaxing around their strategies. I have seen people in this triad often know what to do, but they fail to recognize that they don't know how or when to do their good deeds. If they are present to their bodies, 
they will recognize the compulsed energy and will pause and let others inform them about the way forward. In order to be willing to do that, they have to be willing to let go of their attachment to their lies and endure the discomfort of acting contrary to who they have been all of their lives. They have to be willing to concede power. That will feel like a death. That will feel like a crucifixion. Everything in us will resist the pause. And to the degree that we love ourselves the way God loves us, to that degree, we will do the hard work of pausing. To the degree that we receive the love that is already there, to that degree, we will pause. The people in the heart triad believe the lie that in order to be loved or to have worth and value, they have to disregard the value of their own heart, their own wants, their own needs, their own desires. They let others define them. Heart triad people think their job is to persuade others to define them well. They experience confusion around their identities. Who are they? As opposed to who they appear to be or who others need them to be. They ping the way submarines ping. When the people in this triad begin to be aware and present to all the pinging they are doing, pinging to try and decipher who they are according to you, they can start intentionally relaxing their strategies by pausing and then making different decisions. For instance, people in this triad might click like on Facebook, things that they don't really like. But when they are believing the lie of their type, they will click like in order to get the connection, pseudo though it is. When those people are present to the compulsed energy in their bodies, they will recognize it for what it is and perhaps will refrain from being dishonest with, with themselves and others. They will love themselves so much that they will choose to not dishonor themselves that way. That will feel like a death. That will feel like a crucifixion. Everything in us will resist the pause. And to the degree that we love ourselves the way God loves us, to that degree we will do the hard work of pausing. To the degree that we receive the love that is already there, to that degree we will pause. The people in the head triad believe the lie that they do not have the power to take decisive action. And if they do, they won't be safe. <clears throat> On some level, they unconsciously question their competency to handle the physical and relational world and then compensate by living in the future and by thinking in loops and by moving fast mentally. They tend to replace doing with thinking. And when the people in this triad think, that feels like to them that they are doing. They see a window screen on the back porch. They think, I should move the window screen to the basement someday. They agree with themselves that that is a good idea. And then they're done without having moved a thing. 
when the people from this triad are present to the compulsed energy in their body, they are invited to pause and feel the fear and do the dreaded task facing their fears of incompetency, willing to be what feels like to them the full. That will feel like a death. That will feel like a crucifixion. Everything in us will resist the pause. And again, to the degree that we love ourselves the way God loves us, to that degree, we will do the hard work of pausing. To the degree that we re- receive the love that is already there, to that degree, we will pause. This is the work of overcoming. Scripture says that those who overcome will be given the crown of life. We all have all been given the assignment of overcoming our types of being overcomers. I want to end with a reminder of why we are overcoming, and I'm going to tell it through a metaphor. I'll tell you the point of the metaphor first, and then I'll tell you the metaphor. The point of the metaphor is to say, let's not get so caught up in the work of overcoming our types that we forget the God we are doing the overcoming for. So that's the point. Now, here's the metaphor. Let's pretend we are all born in the surf, and we will spend all of our days in the surf, and our job is to navigate the waves. We will spend all of the days of our lives navigating the waves of the ocean. And what that means is that I can either go over them, or I can go under them, or I can fight through them, or I can get churned by them. But I can't escape them. I can't leave the surf. And I can't say to the ocean, something's wrong. You're sending me waves. Because nothing is wrong with the ocean when it sends you waves. And in this metaphor, the waves are manifestations of my type. They are when I get triggered. That's a wave. They are a problem I'm trying to solve. That's a wave. They are what I'm trying to do to change me and the world. That's a wave. They are what I'm trying to make right in me and in the world. That's a wave. They are what I think, if it would just go away, I would be happy. That's a wave. They are what is getting in the way of me being spiritual or evolved or mature. That's a wave. The waves represent problems. And the problems come, and the problems come, and the problems come, and the problems come, and they never go away. In fact, I'm going to die, and there are going to be problems that did not get resolved or conquered. And if that is true, and it is, how then are we going to live? Are we really going to say, I'll enjoy life when the waves go away? So what I I am suggesting to you is let's step back 
and let's compare the size of the waves to the size of the sky and the sea and the shore. They are just a sliver. Can we navigate the waves and still stand in adoration of the sky and the sea and the shore? Can we love the sun and the clouds and the sound of children playing and the smell of salt and the feel of sand while we are navigating the waves? Do the waves have to loom so large that they take up the whole landscape? Does how well we are overcoming have to be what life is about? Can we say perhaps that focusing more on the sky and the sea and the shore would be like the greatest commandment? You should love the Lord your God with all of your heart and your soul and your mind and your strength. Can you love the sky and the sea and the shore while you are navigating the waves that are never going away? Can life be more about who God is than who we are? Does how well we are doing have to be the only point? How might you do this? Okay, so this is small, and I know it. But here is one thing I do to keep the metaphoric waves in perspective. I always look up at the sky when I get out of my car. In fact, I look up at the sky a lot. And when I do, I am saying a type of, yes, I approve. I think you're a wonderful God. I think what you have created is wonderful. I adore the sky. And I adore the God who made the sky. I am always metaphorically giving my stamp of approval on the sky. Another small thing. I say thank you a lot. Another small thing. I sit and listen to Katie Dids a lot. I absorb the all is well message of the Katie Did. I love Katie Dids. Another small thing. I read history or look at movies that are historical. Watching the great plague on Amazon's great courses this summer sure put COVID in perspective. I'm choosing to keep my problems, my waves, in perspective. Life is bigger than my problems, my waves. I don't want to miss sunsets, sunrises, children playing, and seagulls gliding, and dolphins surfacing because I'm focusing on waves. So, <clears throat> do the overcoming by learning the Enneagram and by pausing and by enduring the discomfort of not believing your lies and then remember who this is all for. Shall we end with a review? Number one. Our false selves, our types, feed us a sense of alienation. Number two, this sense of alienation manifests in our stream of consciousness, some of which are lies. Number three, we feel great existential fear if we challenge our lies. Number four, as we walk towards our fears, deep or otherwise, it will feel like a death 
even a crucifixion. Number five, one of the truths of Jesus' crucifixion is that on the other side of a death you volunteer for, you will find a form of resurrected life. Number six, we learn our types so that we can pause and choose to not buy into their lies. And I ended with number seven, a metaphor of how to keep all of this in perspective. So thank you, everyone, for your time and your attention. I would have preferred seeing your faces, but oh well. So navigate those waves and remember, whether the waves are a sliver or whether you take or whether they take up the whole picture is up to you. So take care, enjoy your day, and thank you. Well, if you would, please prepare your tithes and offerings, by which we mean if you get to keep your job during this pandemic, um, remember that spiritual community is a great place to invest. And you can do that at the donate button on our website. And uh, that being said, what are you thinking about? What is stirring up in your heart? And I am uh, looking here at the... <clears throat> Uh, let's see here, what, the, what y'all are doing. It. Thank you, by, by the way, for posting early. It gave me a chance to get ready. Lots of <laughs> folks, Robin, appreciating the pinging metaphor. I thought that was very, very helpful. So uh, here's Angie's question. It's kind of related to the meditation and to the, um, the Enneagram. She said, uh, uh, I don't like starting back at one when I lose my place in meditation because my personality tripe, is always trying to be perfect, and it stresses me out when I haven't been perfect and I have to start over from scratch. So I just want to keep counting. So firmly committed to this insight as I am, I've just changed it. I'm doing it my way now. <laughs> but anyway, your thoughts about how that bears on the, that personality type, and what do you think about? Is this, is this the type one, Angie? Yeah, Angie Skilly, yeah. <laughs> so your, uh, your challenge will be to stop judging your judging mind. And uh, that will be very hard. Uh, so the point is to never stop your judging mind. The point is to stop judging your judging mind. Um, and so uh, the, that will be interesting for you is while you are not getting past two and then you judge yourself for being flawed because you can't go past two, then the next thing you say is, oh, look at me. I'm judging myself because I can't get past two. <laughs> and then you get to enjoy the discomfort, the terror that you might be flawed. <laughs> and the day might come when you'll be okay with being flawed like the rest of us humans. <laughs> That's a freebie, Angie. <laughs> That's a freebie, Angie. <laughs> All right, so Chris Gravy said, um, the word lie um, carries with it uh, the, a connotation of intention or intentionality, uh, as though you were knowing something true and you were intentionally saying something false. But it strikes him that lie in this context means something more like illusion, but then he's questioning that and he's wondering to himself, is there an element of willfulness in that? Like willful ignorance. When we are succumbing to our lie, kind of it seems like the question is, give some of the texture around how does that work? Yeah, I think that that was valid. I think that, um, uh, yes, I think that that is a valid point. Um, 
I have lived long enough to know that I claimed innocence around a whole bunch of things. And the deal is, is that what proves whether I am innocent or not is when I learn to do differently, whether I do do differently. If I do, then I was innocent. And if I don't, then it wasn't innocent. Mm -hmm. And so the deal is to some degree, we uh, often enter the kingdom of God uh, uh, kicking and screaming. Mm -hmm. And so that would imply that uh, we're not as uh, virtuous as we think we are. Mm-hmm. So I'm always suspicious of... Uh, anyway, I err on the side of you might want to look in this direction. You yeah. might want to not let yourself off the hook so quickly. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, in the past, uh, that has been particularly helpful to me when you've talked about the difference between um, innocent intent and harmful impact. Yes. So that when we harmfully impact, as long as we only look at our own story of innocent intent, we can disregard that. And uh, so that's very helpful. Uh, Here's another. uh, Talk about the role of community in the work of growth. Uh, How much of the work is we as opposed to I because it strikes me that our own lies, our own illusions are more likely to persist when we're on our own. What do you think? Oh, Yes, yes. Um, yeah, it, it, the other thing that's so amazing to me about this, using this system as a transformative tool is that you might want to get used to um, counting in terms of months and years instead of days and weeks um, because I've been doing this for about eight years or more and this last year I over, I under, I, I, was aware of things that I have been doing in this community that I don't know if other people have seen it or not, but I sure can see it now. And it was very type-related. It was a believe in the lies that my type feeds me uh, and that is uh, the fears that uh, I have concerning uh, how to relate to people and the things that I do. And I've just, in the last year, it has become apparent to me. So, again, if you could settle in and get used to... um, that these awarenesses that we are opening ourselves up to can very easily take a year and a half before it comes into focus. Uh, or more. Or, yeah. And it, so it's, it's because we're tinkering with the hard drive. This system that we're offering you tinkers with your hard drive. It's not changing your behavior. It's changing your motivation. And so and what the invitation is, the invitation is always just to awareness. And uh, so that's, that's a very slow process. All that to say is, of course, how can I be aware of my type uh, unless I have community where it reflects it back to me? Um, yeah. That's a lot of vague words. but Yeah. Uh, so here's uh, a new uh, woman. Uh, and Leah, I hope I'm pronouncing it. Leah Bear. I hope that's her name. Uh, we've chatted online, but I haven't uh, heard her name pronounced. So she says, thank you, Robin. Uh, I am looking forward to getting to know you better, and I'm excited about attending the Enneagram seminar. However, (laughs) after listening to you this morning, now I'm nervous. (laughs) It sounds a little scary to look at myself this way. I'm going to be there anyway. Damn, this is scary. She didn't say that. I said that. (laughs) (laughs) You've got a great advantage because you get to squirm, and nobody will see you squirm. (laughs) 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 And my dear, if you think you're squirming now, oh my gosh. Just wait till you have some decades under your belt and you look back and you thought you were so wonderful and it was all because of your fear or your need to connect or your need for power and 
<laughs> no, the, the deal is, is I've heard this said, and I really do believe it, uh, you cannot go any further in your transformative process uh, unless you have a comparable amount of compassion to go with it. So the things that we are inviting you to see, if you don't have compassion in the scene, you will stop because you cannot, we cannot bear it, some of it. And it, we need a great deal of compassion. And so that's the invitation is, uh, yes, I hear you. I certainly hear you. <laughs> I've definitely done my share of squirming. <laughs> and I think, um, you know, one of the things that I've learned through the Enneagram is the skill set of that self-compassion. I think one of the best places that I learned it was when our community, you know, my, my Enneagram type is an eight. Uh, we are... Uh, we misbehave, <laughs> we treat people badly, and I try really hard not to do that, but it seeps out when I'm not trying. I, I believe the lie and I'm doing something that I think is good and people are hurt in the process. And for years and years, because I was the reverend guy, uh, people would um, get deeply offended by that because the reverend guy ought to know better. Um, after we as a community started learning the Enneagram, people would just laugh at me which is infinitely better because they would laugh because they would be saying, uh, oh, yeah, we understand. Doug's got his shadow side just like we have our shadow side. And if we're going to be compassionate on ourselves in our own, we're going to be compassionate to one another. And I would say that's been one of the great take-homes mm -hmm. of this process. And I'm so grateful to you for having brought it to us. And it's time to stop. So if you would... Uh, put your hand on your heart and let us remember as we go that we are, every one of us, carriers of the inner divine. We've got a type in there. We've got a shadow in there. But we also have under that the breath of the divine. So we carry all the virtue and goodness and courage and character we need. It is also within us. And if you would, extend your other hand to our city. And let's look for opportunities to share what is in us with the people that we live with and work with the people that we go to school with, share this city with looking for opportunities to repair and to heal our worlds. Amen. God bless you, and we are dismissed. And head on over to the Zoom chat and uh, talk a little bit further about what you're thinking, what's going on in your heart. And thank you again, Robin. See you next week. If these recordings help you move forward on your spiritual journey, we hope you'll take an ownership stake in the community and support the health and well-being of the community. You can go to our website, commonthreadchurch.org, the donate button is at the top of the page for your computer's browser, at the bottom of the page for your phones. <laughs>